This is a Demon FM podcast. Well, welcome to our very first podcast edition of Hidden Voices, DMA's podcast to hear those voices we don't normally come across on campus. What happens when one nation, two systems collide? Some have noticed that on our TV screens this summer, much of the interest in Hong Kong has been dominated by the pro-democracy protests. And we're very, very glad to welcome one of our DMU students, Michelle, who's going to be giving us a little insight into what it is to be living in Leicester, uh, but looking back on events in Hong Kong. Michelle is not her real name. We have chosen to protect her identity, as today's Hidden Voice will be talking about those protests and what it really means to be studying as a Hong Kong student in the UK. Welcome, Michelle. Hiya. Hiya. Let's start with your decision to come to the UK and study. You've been here a few years now. And of course, it was that summer, this summer, that everything changed back home in Hong Kong with that famous extradition law that got our attention. Could you tell us a little bit about life in Hong Kong before this summer came about, though? Right. So basically, everyone can go on protests, like they can go on streets for rallies or sort of stuff like that really in a really peaceful way and but like before i came to the uk i came to the uk in uh, 2015 and the umbrella movement was actually in 2014 so like the society was a bit cracking already before i came to the uk but like it wasn't that scary for me yeah before this summer i remember i was there this summer myself uh, in right. july mm-hmm. and uh, and i went to have a look at one of these protest marches before i got my flight home and and i was just struck by how peaceful it was uh, right. this is back in july of course how peaceful it was how wonderfully together the students were uh, there were people mm-hmm. with you know water stations giving out water there were people kind of re- Cycling the rubbish. I mean, it was it was an amazing testament to what what young people can do. It put us to shame, actually, back here. I was quite uh, astonished. Um, of course, it's all sort of changed a little bit since then. But uh, tell me now. So you know, just in terms of the city itself, what do you really like about Hong Kong? What really makes it a special place for you, generally? Like, I think in every tourist's mind, Hong Kong is a really beautiful place with uh, amazing night views, with uh, multicultural food. Uh, a nice place for shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They like shopping. <laughs> Me too. Um, but like, it used to be a really safe place for everyone to leave, to work. But like, I do, think you feel, it, do you not feel safe now? Like, I'm actually a bit worried. Like, yeah, I'm going home this Christmas and I'm afraid, I'm a bit af- worried and afraid of like being arrested. Whoa, well, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> we, we wouldn't want that to happen uh, for you being arrested there. But uh, that's quite, quite interesting. And uh, obviously you've got a lot of friends and family mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. And I mean, when you heard about this extradition law that, uh, you know, people who could have been extradited to Beijing, where of course, uh, famously, there isn't a sort of independence of the judiciary compared to a sort of more Western style separation of powers. Mm-hmm. But when you speak to your sort of friends, and they spoke about the extradition law. I mean, what what was the reaction? Um, I'm really glad that like many of my friends, almost all of them, are on the side of pro democracy, and my family as well. They feel like the extradition law back to China is like really ridiculous. Because like for example, if the extradition law passed, they can arrest everyone that they think they are against the law. It's not only in Hong Kong, but like touchwood if like they think. I'm against the law. They can come to the UK and arrest me. And you weren't reassured by uh, the words of, sort of Carrie Lam, who's the chief executive of Hong Kong, who mm-hmm. said, no, this is really, really about an individual case, about, you know, sort of serious criminals. This has nothing to do with ordinary protests under the, which are protected under the, you know, the basic mm-hmm. law. Did that not, you know, you know, sort of stop you having those fears? I think that case is just a bomb. 
that explode the whole incident. I just feel like she has been wanted to get the law passed. Yeah, I think she planned for quite a long time. Yeah, but like so the book that law has been shelved, and that was mm-hmm. one of the the key protest aims, wasn't it? This this summer to get rid of that extradition law. So that is now gone. Except there are still many other demands that are being made now by the Hong Kong protesters. They're famous yeah. sort of five. Could you tell me a little bit about those other ones and what is most most wanted by these students now uh, and these protesters? The one that sort of really stands out for me was the actions of the police, and there seems to be a lot of distrust of the police mm-hmm. and. And obviously since then, there's been a lot of violence on uh, on both sides, you know, amongst protesters who were certainly not as peaceful, uh, many of them, than they were this summer. Um, but also there's been plenty of uh, incidents, shall we say, that have caught the attention of the protesters from the police side. And in fact, they've been using some quite interesting names for each other, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, could you, uh-huh. so tell me about those demands. What What is it that you... Uh, so our slogan is, there's five demands, not one less. So the first one is completely withdraw extradition bill. The second one is retract the proclamation that protests were riots. So they call us rioters. They said the protests were riots. So we want the government to... About that one. I mean, you have to say there have been some riots since that was said. I mean, originally they weren't. It was peaceful. It's now become more of a riot. Is that still a demand, you think, that is a, a, a reasonable demand? Um... I won't say we are completely right, but we did we did do it in a really peaceful way. Like everyone went on the streets, like two million more than two million people went on the streets for the demands, but the government didn't listen to us. So I won't say it's absolutely right, but I understand why they upgrade the protests. Yes, okay. Yeah. I, I sort of see it. So uh, so it's sort of an early demand and then course the other demands you've got other ones you want there which are quite interesting so do you want to tell us about the other demands the third one is withdraw criminal charges against all protesters okay. uh, the fourth one is to set up and investigate abuse of powers by the police and the fifth one is immediately implement dual universal suffrage so we want to vote for who we want them or he or she to be the chief executive of Hong Kong. Rather than have pre-selected list for right. which you can chose. So you don't want that. And of course, this is the difficulty with one nation, two mm-hmm. systems. You know, these are very different systems. How do you how do you sort of you know respect the sovereignty of China over Hong Kong? And yet you're demanding something that ordinary Chinese citizens aren't able to have themselves, and that maybe presents quite some uh, some difficulties mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, so, so those sort of demands are sort of very clear, and and I'm very interested, you know, how you feel here at DMU in Leicester. You know, feel you do you feel very far away from this? Tell me how you're feeling being you know, thousands of miles back in back in uh, here in England and Leicester, kind of listening to this online and listening to the media and the news. What what goes through your mind? At first, when the protest just started, I was in Hong Kong for like uh, three months. So I actually uh, joined the protest. I went on the streets where the two million people were on the streets in Hong Kong Island. But then I came back in September and the whole incident changed a lot. Like it changed so fast every day. Like everything happens every day. Everything new happens. And I just feel like mm, really depressed. My friends were arrested. Uh, my friends got hurt. But meanwhile, I'm in Leicester. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, I can't even went on streets and help people watch as that they were attacked by tear gases. So you were doing that before, you know, so you're able to, you know, if people were getting uh, hurt by tear gas, you were helping with water to sort of clean their eyes. Yeah, out. I did. And, um, and what about 
you know, I mean, I'm presuming that not everybody has goggles and there are a mm-hmm. lot of people in Hong Kong who don't have these protective goggles. Have, have you seen any problems with, with people who are, you know, because tear gas doesn't really discriminate between young and old, for example. Uh, I, I was, I've got one incident happened right in front of me. There was an old man. He didn't have any mask or goggles. So I found someone to help him escape. But then he fainted in front of me. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he just passed out. So I just oh, called the ambulance. I said someone passed out. He's not a protester. So he, he was just sitting there and looking at like what's happening. Yeah, so wow. Yeah, wow. the ambulance took him to the hospital. I, I hope he's all right. But and have you had any chance to have conversations with the elderly? Because obviously in the media, we get this impression that it's it's the young who are sort of protesting and the elderly who are sort of looking, going, you know, sort of almost tutting in some respects mm-hmm. and, and not approving. Is that accurate or you know, to what extent do the young people have support from, from other generations? Um, for those I know, they mostly support us because they think like the society is ours in the future. They are really pleased that they saw us protecting Hong Kong in many ways. So they see you as protecting Hong Kong. So that's that's, that's interesting because, of course, uh, you know, the story we, we are told is, you know, it's one of, there's lots of destruction, there's lots mm-hmm. of brick throwing, and there's lots of, uh, you know, bumped off cocktails made out of aerosols and various whatnot. And, but uh, is it still seen by the people you speak to as something that is protecting? to protect the city or is you know I mean, use that word i was wondering why what is it you feel you're protecting um for me and most of my friends we think we are protecting hong kong it's like we understand that the society has to be like economically stable but democracy and freedom is also the elements that make the society stable as well i don't think the society will be stable once for example in hong kong if Hong Kong has no more freedom, if Hong Kong has no more democracy, I don't think Hong Kong will be stable. Do you think um, what people will leave, people won't, fi- won't feel they can trust the institutions of Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. Do you think businesses will go? Do you think students will find work in overseas countries? I think so, yeah. Okay, I remember somebody saying Hong Kong was, was somewhere he didn't feel very safe in anymore and he was looking to look at places like Singapore mm-hmm. to travel to. I know there's a lot of discussion when I was there, people going, yeah, Singapore is maybe the place I could go to next. But um, that seems a, quite a sort of dramatic turn of events if, if the young people can't seem to um, have confidence in, in that place. Now, you've got a little interesting story, haven't you, about, because of course, when you were growing up, you had a, a series of missed graduations. Yeah. Um, what if you could say a little bit about that? Uh, we always say that the children who were born in 1997 were the children who were chosen. Yeah, so actually uh, we missed our kindergarten graduation, we missed our primary graduation, uh, we missed our secondary pr- uh, graduation. And why did you miss all these graduation uh, ceremonies? It was t- 2003, yeah. we had SARS. So the kindergarten graduation was cancelled. It's the bird flu. This is the no, bird, not the blood, not bird flu. Sorry, not the bird flu. It's some kind of really serious illness, right? Okay. That may cause Cox. people dead. Okay. Yeah. So then we had another illness. I think it's in 2008 or 2009, which was happening in our primary school graduation. So like, so you missed that one. Yeah, we missed that one as well. So in 2014 and 15. Uh, we had the umbrella movement. So many of the secondary schools' graduation ceremonies were cancelled as well. And for this year... Was that because people just 
rather go to on the streets with their umbrellas than go to their ceremonies? Or I think mostly it's because the, the schools were afraid of the students doing some kind of inappropriate actions. Inside, the, during the ceremony? Yeah. Oh, right. So you missed out on that one. Does that, I mean, um, does that worry you? No, because I'm already in the UK. When my <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I just missed it anyways. So are you hoping to have a final yeah, DMU graduation here? Yeah, but like my friends in Hong Kong, they're having the um, university graduation ceremony this year. But because of the protest this year, like most of them are cancelled. Wow. So like, yeah, we're just chosen children. <laughs> So you're the special generation who miss out all their ceremonies. Right. So had there been uh, much discussion here on campus at DMU about the Hong Kong protest? I mean, uh, walking around, I don't really see anything at all. You know, I don't mm-hmm. see anyone talking about it. Um, obviously, it's a long time since I was a student and there used to be lots of banners and protests and campaigns and you'd hear about everything and everything, uh, anything and everything um, when I, uh, when I, you walk around. But um, maybe this is just modern, uh, the modern state of Britain that we don't seem to kind of voice any, um, you know, campaigns as we walk around. But have you noticed any any discussion about the protest amongst either other Hong Kong students or with mainland students or even with UK-based, you know, students? Um, I don't see any protest in Leicester, but I noticed some in London and Edinburgh. Um, we usually discuss among ourselves, like Hong Kong students and many foreign friends. I've got a course mate from Indonesia and another from Bulgaria. They asked me about the protest, so I told them when we were having the free time in the workshop. And it's really interesting that there was another Chinese guy. He's from mainland China. He actually agreed what I said. And he just said, like, just don't go back to Hong Kong or China after you graduated. Just stay in the UK and find a job and stay for your life. Uh, uh, yeah. So he's sort of giving you a warning yeah. about, you know, this is not going to be a safe place for you. So this one. And uh, right. So um, does that, I mean, that must be very strange because, you know, you are, um, you know, you're a Chinese culture, culturally very Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have lots of uh, friends in the mainland um, that you sort of know and see. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you worry about how this might put people under more, you know, supervision or, you know, observation or anything like that? Um, like most of my mainland friends, they were against the protests, which I actually don't really understand why. Probably because the information they take were not really the fact that what's actually happening in Hong Kong. Right. So we, are, we to- are we talking about the sort of state media of, right. of China? Yeah, mm-hmm. Xinhua News Agency, the People's Daily kind of newspaper. And these are very much, I had a read of some of them myself, and they, they tend to be very much a, a sort of one-sided account, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, they will focus on one little thing. So I noticed, for example, the the recent election results, the district right. council election. There's a lot of stories in these uh, the state agencies about, the, about the, these upcoming elections, and there was a big build-up. And then suddenly the result came and we had this overwhelming majority for pro-democracy parties, even though it was a local election. Mm -hmm. And of course, the emphasis was on this is about bin collections and local issues. But of course, the turnout was huge, wasn't it? I think it was 71, Mm -hmm. 72%. And um, I didn't notice very much suddenly on the People's Daily website (laughs) about the election results. There was one little quote from somebody who said it was a a bad result or something along those lines. But uh, when you speak to mainland Chinese students, I mean, you're sounding like there's a does it depend on the age of the students and the, how long they've been in the UK that maybe determines what they what their opinion is on the protests? Um, no, but I think 
those who stayed in the UK for a longer time, they were they are more willing to listen to me. It's like some are really they just close their ears. They are just like living in a little box. They don't want to take any other information that is not from the Chinese website. So they they think we are lying. We are just making excuse to like protect those who were creating riots. And from what I hear, when I hear a few uh, opinions, you know, in sort of press, people from mainland tend to take it very personally that if you mm-hmm. make a, if you're making a sort of a, a opinion to support the protesters, you are somehow going against China. And mm-hmm. it seems to be there's sometimes a people don't discriminate between or separate in their minds government and country that they are. Mm-hmm. They're almost one and the same thing in a one-party country. And, of course, from a Hong Kong background, you must see them very differently, government and country. Right. Do you want to say something about that? Because I remember you telling me something about the demands were misunderstood. Right. So um, both of the mainland think we are having the demand of having Hong Kong independent from China. But that's not even in our five demands. We just don't want the extradition law back to China to pass. Yeah, so we don't really discuss this topic with mainland friends. Is there just a, we don't talk about it. It's like Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. We don't talk about the protest. Is that how it works? Right, right. Because like we might lose friends by talking about this kind of topics. That's, I mean, coming obviously from Brexit Britain, we certainly understand the idea of divide, a division in society and how we don't want to talk about it. I mean, people definitely don't want to talk about Brexit at the moment right. in the UK. So this is certainly nothing unique um, in, in global terms. But uh, do you think it would be better to have these conversations open on campus? Do you think we need to have more of a discussion on this? It's very difficult these days, of course, in the, you know, the age of the tweet and the social media, right. where it's, it's very much one-sided, one view. Mm-hmm. Do you think this would be better to have more forums for discussion like this? I do hope to have more discussions in on campus, but the thing I'm worried about is that they it might create many kind of arguments because people from mainland China think in a different way that, than we do. I'm just worried that we might cause argument. I mean, that also might go in terms of the sort of universities, because the university themselves, you know, all across the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. generate a lot of income from Chinese international students right. um, and all international students. And there's quite a big chunk of international students from China. Do mm-hmm. you think there is a little bit of reluctance to talk about it also from universities here? Uh, I noticed there was a story in the private eye uh, this week about uh, a student uh, in Lancaster University who put in his window post-it notes saying stand with Hong Kong and was asked to remove them by the accommodation manager <laughs> who eventually, after meeting some resistance from this mm-hmm. student, you know, as long as there's no sort of uh, adverse reactions, as long as no one complains, you know, I do sort of wonder whether there's a sort of bit of self-censorship here on on the UK side as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Just taking through to the holidays, you're about to go back home in a few weeks' time, as term will end here at DMU. As you go back home, as you're going to get on that plane and fly that long journey back to what used to be seen a few days ago as almost a war zone, Mm -hmm. what's going through your mind then? Are you sort of fearful, worried, or are you still thinking, no, this is good, I want to be going home? Um, I somehow still think it's good, but I'm worried as well at the same time. Because we used to hang out in places like in Monko, Causeway Bay, Tim Sa Choi. So I have no idea like how we're going to hang out during Christmas. I have no idea what kind of protests 
we will have because like the protest nowadays just happens suddenly without any like notice before the protest happens so yeah now, i know you've you've said you've uh, you're not very one who's going to be on the front line of any sort no. of protest yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. you've you've helped with things like water and you know in the eyes of, of people who are hurt by what's going on right. um if there are things going on this uh, autumn, will you continue in that sort of role? Will you continue to sort of help with the water when you go back over the holidays if things develop again? Yeah, I will. Definitely will do. Do you have a, a sort of message for those, first of all, in Hong Kong? And do you have also a message for everybody here in Britain, either sort of UK or, or mainland students or Hong Kong students, really, just up on this topic? Because it's really, really captured imagination, I think, of many of us over the last few months. And um, I just want to know if, you know, from somebody who's kind of grown up through these protests yourself, mm-hmm. you've missed graduation ceremonies, you've, you know, you've got interesting stories of, of watering eyes of the elderly and, you know, um, and you've sort of noticed the sort of silence uh, mm-hmm. in campus. Is there a message for, for those back home and, and those here? I just want to tell those who are still in Hong Kong that they did really well. Thank you for what they have done for us. I know it's a really long journey, but it's been around six months already since the protest first started. Just never give up because the night before the sunrise is always the darkest. So yeah, just keep it up. We can make it. And a message for everyone here at De Montford. Do you have a message for, for sort of the university community as a, as, a, as a whole on this topic? It's okay for people not to support us, but I just want more people to know what is actually going on in Hong Kong. Um, you don't have to really support us physically if you want to. You can help like spreading the tweets or Instagram posts around. Yeah, that helps a lot as well. Okay, thank you all for listening. Uh, Hidden Voices, our very first podcast. And from everybody here at DMU, goodbye. Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry, because if you head on over to DM&FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts, as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Go on, have a listen. I support you.